Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Todd Jackson, CEO of Jackson Design and Remodeling in San Diego, California. Todd is going to share his secret to quadrupling his revenue in just eight years. You want to hear how he did it? So do I. And we're going to in just a minute. Well, you buy a hat like this, I bet you get a free bowl of soup, huh? Oh, it looks good on you, though. I am Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Yeah, you are. I'm so excited about today's episode. Quadrupling. (laughs) Can you imagine? I want to know how he did it. I want to do it for us. Ah! That would be awesome. Yeah. See, you know, Todd has been an extremely generous member of our Roundtables family for years. And, you know, he's just always willing to share, which I love about him. He's fantastic. I love Todd. Mm -hmm. You know, we've featured him on different things over the years because he's smart and he's ambitious and he thinks big. Yeah. You know, that's kind of a key thing, don't you think? He sounds like me. <laughs> yes, he very much does. <laughs> I wonder if he has the same sign. There's only so many ideas one can implement. But we're going to find out about that in a minute. But, you know, growing a company isn't easy. It's it's challenging, and you have to be able to take risks and have some have a backbone, right? And be willing to fail. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive into this. Todd's the CEO and president of Jackson Design Remodeling in San Diego. Since the recession of 2007 to 2009, he has adopted strategies that have resulted in quadrupling his revenue, which is amazing. Todd, welcome to Power Tips Unscripted. Uh, Victoria and Mark, thank you very much for having me today. And after listening to you, you know what? Um, that almost makes me scared. So I'm just saying we did it. Well, but you did do it. And now we get to find out how you did it. So, you know, tell give, give our listeners a little bit of background on how you got into the business, how long you've been in the business, kind of work you do, and so on. Uh, you know what? I started the company back in 1989, um, actually when I was 20. Got licensed when I was 23 wow. um, as a general contractor. Built my first edition when I was around 24. And um, I would say probably 18 to 19 years ago, really kind of, committed to more of the design build process where um, we had at the time we I had um, sub out all my interior and my architecture and my interior design work then over a period of time we really built the infrastructure that we have now where I have eight uh, people in my architectural department and almost 30 on the interior design wow and um, cabinetry. So we're as much of an architectural firm Mm -hmm. as we are a um, remodeler or builder, um, but we only design for projects that we're going to build. So it's fully, the department is really fully for us, our use only, and um, keeps me creative. So Yeah, that's very cool. So, okay, so you've got these people there now. How did you get from where you were when you started back in the day you were a one-man show. Did you have a partner right away? Did you move out of production right away? And then how did you move forward from there? You know, um, I was um, kind of a definitely a hands-on for a little while, right? I was that guy who went out there and cut two pieces of wood. Um, 
and um, nailed them together and came home. And when I took off my shoe, it would have a bucket of dust, right? <laughs> uh, dust out of my, uh-huh. you know. But I think over the period of time, I realized that I need to spend more time on the sales side, out of the field. And um, I jokingly always say that, you know, um, money is made in the office and it's lost in the field. And if you don't do what you're doing in the office, it's not effective. The people in the field aren't effective. Yeah. I would say, um, which is kind of funny, I was a blue jeans kind of guy, right? Mm -hmm. And when I was about 25 and a half, um, I'd show up on jobs and then I get sucked up in the middle, middle of jobs and so I started wearing nicer clothes, and dress slacks and shirts, and then I couldn't be sucked up into the field. You know, oh, the guys realized, oh, he's, you know, I can't help. You know what I mean? And, right. um, but I would say got out of the field by the time I was 26. Wow. What okay. a great life hack right there. Yeah, just, really? just, I don't want to work in the field. I want to wear slacks. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Okay, so then well, what? Then Okay, so you're out of the field, you finally let that go or, or delegated it, and you moved and focused more on sales. I mean, you are a fantastic salesperson. Were you always, and how did you decide that was the direction that you personally should take? You know, when I first started um, the company, that was in 89, right, at the beginning of a recession. And I would say, you know, being so young, you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so you just thought you always had to go bang on doors, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and at the time I used to do skylights and window replacements and um, and then we worked our way up to doing kitchens and baths for Home Depot Expo and that sort of thing. Um, but I like the, for me, you know, sales were definitely the challenge and you realize it was kind of the gasoline mm-hmm. that you needed to, to be able to put on. I think there for a, a period of time, a long period of time, I probably was very similar to a lot of guys where they are more of a technician or they ran more of an installation company uh-huh. where they're responsible for nuts and wire nuts and, you know, plumbing fittings and those kind of things. And you're managing, you know, multiple different trades and the, the, about internally. So I had more of an internal staff that we're building. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for us, I realized really for us to grow, it, I can no mo- longer really manage the day-to-day for a technician because I'm running around gathering materials and this sort of thing versus subcontracting, which allows me to grow and scale my business mm-hmm. with also not having to find you know, those kind of technicians. So you, so you decided, you logically decided to do away with internal carpentry staff and go with subcontractors? Yeah, that was, oh, that was probably one of the bigger changes. And it's, you know, it's funny is that I had, we had decent growth where just before um, the recession, and it was probably maybe 2006-ish, mm-hmm. um, maybe 2005, 2006, I would say that was probably maybe one of the key points because, you know, it's it's been more time on the technical side of the business. And we actually had Paul Winans, that, um, mm-hmm. who is also one of um, your team. Right. Came out, and I don't want to say it was an intervention, but, <laughs> 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 um, but did a two-day off-site team-building experience with all my people. So I took, you know, 20 five, 26 people off site. 
And, you know, it's funny is um, what I got from that is the start of really how do I work on building a culture and realizing that I have the ability to develop that culture and, and what does that look like? And I think from that point where we started really finding phenomenal people, right, and trying to build a, a workplace that attracts that type of talent. And it's funny is that you get a few key people like that and you start adding and adding and soon people want to come work here and they hear, you know, something is different and um, little things like, you know, just even through how we made it through the addition or the recession was taking an opportunity to celebrate everything. And I went out and got a big bell. Right. And when we sold a design agreement, we rung the bell. Mm-hmm. When we got published in a newspaper, we rung the bell. We cool. sold a job, we rung the bell. Right. And mm-hmm. I do have to say is that we had people who came in to our office and who have also been into a um, competitor's office who said, you know what? This office just, it's a different feel. I don't know what it is, but it feels so differently, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's just that, you know, not trying to have, even though there were some difficult times there, you know, really, you know, working on that positive and, and then it just allows us to attract key people. Well, so let's look back at that point. At that point, you had 25 employees, you worked with Paul, you did a retreat, got to sort of focus on culture. What was your revenue then? 2006, we hit um, 6.7 million. Okay. And where are you today? Our produced revenue, so we have three, at, at that time we had Jackson Design, which is um, all-encompassing, right? Kitchens, baths, additions, that sort of thing. Right. Now we actually have broken those into really three different divisions, which are Jackson Design, which is if you came to us, we would send you to Jackson with the architectural wing. Um, and so we would be, it's more addition type stuff, or maybe we're opening up, um, removing lots of beams that take a lot of structural. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we also have home expressions by, by JDR, which is more your gut and replace kitchen and bath. Okay. At, at Jackson's average project now is close to 400,000. Mm. My kitchen and bath side, um, where we budgeted thinking that it was going to be about 65,000 average job is 114. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also have what we call, um, home ex, um, accessories by JDR. And that's where we sell, you know, light fixtures, a mm-hmm. um, little bit of flooring, um, all those accessories where your clients would go out somewhere else. Wow. And um, the, uh, that portion of our business does about $2 million this year. And those, so our combined goal this year is uh, $23.5 million. Okay. Yeah. Now we're talking some so, serious, as I say, a, a million here, a million there, pretty soon it adds up to be real money. <laughs> I'd say that's it. <laughs> okay, so you, you've, you've really done a lot of growth, you know, in, in the combination. So was there one key person or decision that made the biggest impact on how you've decided to go from where you were to where you are today? Yeah, I, I would say there's a, some key elements there that happened and and i had prior to kind of the recession i had somebody who was working on my marketing and you know when you first um i think as every business owner you look at hey i have a marketing quote unquote director or what that looks like but really what i had was somebody who um, was an outside person 
who really bought media for us. Okay. Right? Dealt with radio and um, magazines and, and that sort of thing. And very much different than what I would say is a dedicated marketing um, director. Mm-hmm. And when um, I knew I needed to make a change when the couple things happened is that when the recession happened, and when we sat down and had conversations about needing to strategize on different marketing tactics, um, she wanted me to spend more money on the same radio station that I've already been on for three or four years. Mm. Um, and at the time, we had a jingle. Mm-hmm. When people would call, they would sing the jingle to me. There was well, like that's a good sign, isn't it? Fire. So we um, actually I found a, um, I was blessed to find a marketing director Coco Harper, who um, had actually come off a sabbatical and came from a marketing company that and who really kind of wanted to work in for a company that was really at the time position number, maybe number three, number two, number three in the market and really help us drive that position ourselves to become the number one remodeler in, um, in our market. Remember back at the recession, you know, everybody's trying to figure out what to do next. And I do have to say is I had some great advice from um, another RA member, Mm. um, Bob Gallagher, Mm -hmm. who we were talking. And I said, look, I think I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to cut back on my marketing. And he looked at me and said, you will not cut back on your marketing. You must, you know. Good for Bob. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I do have to say that that was the best advice. I went back, and I can remember, you know, at that time our marketing budget was, um, you know, four hundred fifty grand a a year, which was a lot, right? You know, and um, especially in a recession, you know, and putting putting together a budget, knowing that hey, look, I am going to lose two hundred fifty grand this year. Shoot, and like. Luckily, though, I had put money away for a rainy day, right? Nobody mm-hmm. knew that it was going to rain for, you know, seven <laughs> years. Yeah. But you knew that, look, but I had my marketing dollars there. Yeah. And I had read an article that talked about those who cut their marketing off when, there was, when times come back, those companies typically grow somewhere between 17 to 20%. Mm-hmm. And those who keep their market in place and can weather through the storm grow 150%. Holy yep. mackerel. 100%. That's yeah. crazy. And I think that's what happened is that when we started, we had some rough times. And I think, you know, 2009 and 2010, but 2000, by 2010, we were starting to feel the comeback. So, so you accepted, you looked at your budget in 2008 or nine and you said, we're going to lose $250,000 this year. I don't care. We're keeping our marketing going. We're not cutting our marketing. We're going to go and we're knowing that you're going to lose that much money. Did you have a huge war chest set aside so that you could absorb that? Or was it really putting you in a tough position at that time? Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to take risk. And I yeah. think it wasn't me being, um, it wasn't me just saying, hey, um, one thing that had happened is that we got blessed and I bought a 8,000 square foot building in 2005. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And at the time, half of it was rented and the, the tenant came to me um, about maybe six months, seven months into the lease 
and wanted to get out of their lease. They paid me a year's worth of rent, which is, you know, 90,000 bucks to get out of their lease. And so we went in, blew out the other side of the offices, got all the offices up, moved everybody over, then came in, blew out the entire other side, put in a showroom. And the good news was in March of 2008, we were ready to go. Wow. So it was like having a red Corvette and no gasoline, (laughs) right? Yep. So, I mean, the deal was, is I, I was in it. And at the end of the day, I, I had, um, I got some of the worst advice that um, now I preach when I find from my CPA who used to hound me that I had so much money, you know, saved away in the bank. Cause right. I'm, you know, um, I don't own boats and I don't own, you know, those kind of things. And he says, no, nah, I'll pay for that in cash. And what I should have done was, gone out and borrowed the money right. to do the remodel because there was probably a half a million, um, $600,000. And I could have got an easy loan, right? They were giving out money at that yep. point. And, you know, what would I have done going into a recession with an extra 600 grand? Yeah. Well, you know, well, it would have put me in a way different position. So those are that's a great lesson learned. But even, even though you were in that sort of backwards position, you just seemed to leverage every minute, every bit of value that you had in your company. You know, I think you, I, I think the strategy, and that's, a, I think what I like, um, what do I love about this business? And part of that is being able to create something that changes people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love the strategy. And I think I, I like, you know, to be able to look at, okay, if we change this, how is that going to affect the three or four different departments. Mm-hmm. How, if I change this, how is that going to um, work through the company? Um, and is that going to be a positive or negative? And that's what the company's there for, right? Figuring out such as instead of giving somebody else $2 million worth of product, right? Mm-hmm. Why don't we, you know, um, and sales for somebody else, you know, we work direct, put a wholesale system in sell direct to our clients and literally that two million spins spins off almost six hundred thousand dollars in profit a year. So you're saying that that is the product like cabinets and flooring and countertops and all that that you now sell direct. Well it it would be not cabinets, but it would be like in most cases, right, you have a fabricator who fabricates the countertops, right? Mm-hmm. And he would supply the Say they supply the quartz or they supply the granite, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now we supply it. Okay. So we're making the margin on that slab material, mm-hmm. okay, and pushing it. Or maybe it's your hardwood floor guy who supplies all the hardwood floor material, right? Right. Or your tile guy who supplies the tile. No, we're buying all that, putting our markup on it, and selling it back to the client. So, Todd, do you so. do you think that's the secret to to your massive growth year over year? I mean, is is it that element or is that just a piece of the pie? I think it's one piece. So what else would I you think, attribute? Well, um, I think what we have done is just really more of a different system of um, design build. I have talked, um, you know, my buddies would take, you know, five months, six months to design the same five, $600,000 project that we could run through our system in five weeks mm. to sell. Wow. And it's just a different, but it's a different process. And it's having a team of people working more 
and the design is more, working more horizontally and um, versus one at a time, right? And mm-hmm. kind of that old style, old method. And so you're, you know, you're moving in and walking that client through a process because we know for us what kills deals is time. Right. And that we don't want to have happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think allowing us to, to, to do that in addition to that process, we also only, um, we do our, some of our final material selections and that sort of thing um, only for clients that the job is sold for. So where we may not be doing, we know we got granite countertops that are going in, but we may not know what particular material that is. Um, we're going to do, we'll do that final selection once the client signs on. So when our designers spending 30, 40 hours doing all those selections and putting all those items together, that client is sold. Okay. It's versus spending all that time up and then the client changes their mind, you know, goes to it right. in, in a different direction. So. so, okay. So we've got the fact that you have become a, a uh, distributor or a provider of materials and we've got this fast tracking the design, which allows you to turn more, as they say, inventory, right, time. Um, and so the more you're turning that time, the more projects you can get through the pipeline. Now, explain a little bit about the horizontal method that you've, the, the horizontal format in which you've developed your design department. H- how did you, how do your people take responsibilities and fast track that design process? I think it's about really working towards communication, right? Making sure that, hey, you, um, so in our system, we're going to go out and measure the home. Um, somebody will measure the home. But then instead of like the salesperson gathering the information and bringing it back to the team, and then the designers are designing, and then the salesperson goes back to the client, we actually have the architect, interior designer, and salesperson all out there at one time. Oh, wow. And so we're gathering all the information um, how do they want to use the home and size and options and that kind of stuff? Well, then we're going to come back and put together three or four different floor plans, bring the client in, look at those different options. Client leaves, we combine you know the decisions based upon those meetings. But I think what it is, it's really each person has a different responsibility, and so architecture has responsibility for the relocating the walls and the structural component and the external kind of that look mm-hmm. interior design has responsibilities of the um, kitchen and bath layouts and maybe fireplaces and all the finished material. Um, and then salesperson is responsible for scope of work and final bidding. And we have some additional people inside the staff. We do have a purchasing department okay. um, that, that helps gather some of those uh, estimates and that sort of thing. But it really allows everybody, a, a, you know, certain responsibilities and you set those guidelines up. Another key element that I think helped us grow was um, you know, in 2009, we knew well, what do we need back? We need to be able to service our clients better and quicker, faster. And I would say is that we developed, and at the time there wasn't like a compute, uh, um the tool that's out there now. Yep, yep. I um, think there's mm-hmm. di- different softwares and that kind of stuff. Um, I think that was kind of just the beginning of when those systems started to come in. Right. And we actually brought in a developer who helped us develop our, um, at the time it was more of a, C- a CRM, but it, now it's a 
um, I think it's an EPR, an entire company, you know, process where from the time that a client calls to the time that it tracks through the design phase and the production phase, um, the purchasing, accounting. So we had a programmer who worked for us full-time for probably five and a half years. Wow. That's so an thought, investment I right there. We design something that, with that? That's a, that was an investment. That was a conscious choice to make a significant investment in developing your own software. Well, I think at the time, um, and, and, you know, three years into it, you're kind of like, well, should we, you know, you already bought into it. But I think what happened was it allowed us to do just a larger volume, more organized. Because a lot of times people say they have a process and they have procedures and then they have it in a book and they sit it on a shelf. Yep. But if you have a tool that people have to work in and the nice thing about it is it makes people responsible, right? Because all I had to do is hit a button. I can see exactly where my interior designer is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can see where my production is. I can see where the architecture department is. Mm -hmm. And so... I don't necessarily know I would recommend to do a custom software um, So really, else. If you had to make the decision right now, would you have gone in that direction or would you have tried to work with something that has already been developed off the shelf? Um, I probably would have tried to find something that was developed off the shelf, utilize that for a period of time, and then if I decided that we really need something um, that is different, um, go to that company ah. and offer them a bunch of money mm-hmm. to do something one-off for mm-hmm. you. Because oh. if that would have been cheaper, um, I would say, you know, that's, I bet I have a million dollars in. Wow. Easy. Maybe, you know, and it's probably a million and a half if I counted up every person's, right. you know, ah. development time, the employee's development time, that kind of thing. Now, mm-hmm. There are some um, tax advantages because you're, when you're writing software and writing code, you can get some tax advantages off of that. But. Todd, you mentioned uh, just to back up a little bit. You mentioned um, a very common phrase that time kills deals. What's the average amount of time it takes you from um, from the lead to the to the close? So, um, I'm gonna. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers in sure. front of me. Sure. Um, but so I have a project. I'll just tell you, you know, a project that I currently am working on, which is probably, this one's a big one, right? 1.6 million on that project. Um, we'll have that project by the time I met the client, typically you say it's a week or two by the time the client say, once they've committed to the design agreement, right? Mm-hmm. We get out there approximately about a week um, after they've committed, we measure up and we do our interview. From the time that we do our interview to the time that we present, say, four different options, it's typically in today's economy, just because of the volume that we have, it's probably mm, week and a half to two weeks. Within two weeks, we want to be have them into our office. Wow, that's good. That's fast. Mm-hmm. Create a direction. And then typically, it'll be two to three weeks after. Within that three weeks, we're doing all the structural and the work is being engineered. We're doing interior design work. We're writing the scope of work. We've done a job walk with all the subs, got all of our bids together, and then uh, we would present to the client. That's a pretty lean and system. Depending to, 
and, and then depending upon how we set that client up, sometimes what we'll do is we'll work with a client and we'll, um, our scopes of work are, you know, like on that particular project, it's 45 pages. Wow. So, so you have a couple of different options, you know, um, read 45 pages, why the client's there, <laughs> right? Um, but a lot of times we'll say, hey, look, we're still working on the overall project and gathering the numbers, but I wanted to send this over to you, and maybe we'll do that just a few days before our meeting. Why don't you guys take a look at this, because we've got a lot to cover, and then we can you know, review it when you come on in. Mm-hmm. So I would say that on average, it's probably 50-50 that most of our clients will sign the day that we present. Wow. And then it's probably, you know, within a couple of weeks. There's always those outliners that take a little while and to, to pull together. Well, that seems, so, that seems know, a lot quicker than, than would, would, would you agree that that's a pretty fast pace? Um, for us, it's a pretty fast pace, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd always like to try and get it done sooner. But the, you know, the challenge is, is like right now, I think in, we have 65 projects running. Wow. Um, and, and we probably have another, you know, 20, 25 jobs in design, you know, in our backlog for design. So would it be fair to say that your ability to turn that kind of stuff that quickly and in that volume that you're doing is probably another piece that's contributing to that growth? Correct. And I think it's also, so I'll tell you one of the things that I've done is that um, I'd rather not use the numbers, mm-hmm. but um I know that our one of our biggest competitors will probably pay, um, does pay more for their salespeople's commission. Mm-hmm. Oh, so okay. how do you how do you so, get away with paying less? Um, so the difference would be is this: is that they're in the fifteen, sixteen million dollar range and have ten or twelve salespeople. Okay. I have five salespeople wow. that um, we're going to sell twenty five million. Mm. All right. How much do you sell, Todd? This year, I'm budgeted to sell $7 million. Okay. So still a significant so, chunk. Still a significant. And I'm working my way out of that. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, I have a system that I have another salesperson who's going to sell seven this year, two of them that are budgeted for $5 million each, and another person who's budgeted for three and a half. Wow. So our system is set up where... You know, I like to tell you guys, I just walk around and I'm able to find these $5 million salespeople. Yeah. We've created a system where, um, you know, it's set up to where you can do more volume. And because it's more focused and it's more, um, and so what happens, I find, is that if you, if a company's paying a salesperson this large dollar mm-hmm. of commission, there's no more money in there for support staff. Ah, and, um, I see. And, and I, there's dollars, you know, the, the dollars have to come from somewhere. Right. right? And cause at a certain point you're going to tap out the client, you know? Yep. And, um, and so the dollars have to come somewhere. And so I think that's a commitment by me. Um, also, you know, that how do we work that? And, uh, you know, the commission for the salespeople are a little bit less. Hey, I may make one or two points less. But you know what? I'm going to make it up on volume. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then instead of having a backlog, um, and that's how I have, you know, close to 40 people inside of a design side. Right. And that allows us to do greater volume. 
So, and I imagine your salespeople love that because that allows them to do more of what they actually love to do, which is sell, not all the support crud that so many salespeople don't want to do and aren't good at anyway. So you're able to provide them with the support, take all that stuff off of them and let them sell, sell, sell. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, if you could be in a system and you make, you know, 4% more, right, right, as a salesperson, um, but... But I can bring you into our system, and yeah, you, you're. But you, I'm going to show you how you can sell three times as so much. Right. Ooh, which you would know, you pick? So. so, Todd, I got one more question for you. Are you ready for the lightning yeah. round? I'm ready for the lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I am. I think we'll I see, am. won't we? And now here's the Remodelers Advantage lightning round. It's a trap. Here we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was great. Okay. All right. What's your favorite business book and why? I like Good to Great. And if anybody's ever read that book, it talks about how two competing companies inside the same um, industry, um, how one company, maybe that number two company, actually made one strategic move or a few strategic moves, and then outperformed that number one business inside that industry. And I think that, to me, always has fascinated me mm-hmm. about the strategy and uh, always made me work to try and become, you know, how do you become 1% better? Yeah. Always, you know. So good. If you weren't CEO of Jackson Design and Remodeling, what do you think you'd be doing? Well, I always thought to myself, man, if I ever come back, I think I'm just going to be a brain surgeon. Then I only have to work on one thing and not all the 900 different things that I have to work on. (laughs) No, honestly, I think I'd probably be an attorney. Really? Because the world needs another attorney, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) And to the detriment of my daughter, uh, probably a litigation attorney, right? Because sometimes we have there. um, What are you not very good at? hard for me to relax, mm-hmm. you know, um, and um, I've actually really worked hard to keep my work hours down to a, a lower roar, and I think mm-hmm. I probably work in um, probably 45 hours a week. Oh, that's good. Your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? Okay, true confessions. It would definitely be my desk, mm-hmm. okay, and with all my employees, Periodically, I will literally, if I walk through and and I see inspiration because there's tile all over the place and there's plans all over the place, I try and call it inspiration versus just mess. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just stop the entire company and say, okay, you know what? Everybody has to clean up their space, right? <laughs> I've been known to be called kind of anal. So. <laughs> Do you sing in the shower? I sing everywhere. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> I didn't tell you that I think well. I just think everywhere. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thanks, Todd. Hey, you know, thank you so much for doing this. You've always been so incredibly generous to our community, so I very much appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Um, Thank you very much for having me, and um, I wish you both very well. Well, now, before we go, though, I want you to share your five words of wisdom with our listening audience. Only five, huh? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Five and only five. You got it. I would say hire for culture, train skill. Okay. Now, why why is that your five words of wisdom? Well, how does that resonate with you? Because 
you know, I can always train somebody in the process inside of a system or a skill, right? But if you hire somebody who will fit the culture, who's going to get along with people, who understands that, hey, we have a we have a great place to work, but we're all hard workers here, right? And mm-hmm. there's expectations and they, you, you know, you, you can't get that. And if you get one person inside of your organization who isn't on board, um, you know, it can deserve, you know, the entire um, company. Mm-hmm. And so I think people need to spend more time on the culture side mm-hmm. when they're looking to hire. And sometimes it's very difficult, especially in this economy, because you need yeah. a body. Right. You know, and sure enough, what will happen is they're gone in six months. Yeah. Right? Yep, yep, yep. Every yeah, time. Yeah. Well, thank so you, Todd. You knew That's they awesome. were going to leave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think it's totally true, and hopefully it'll resonate with a lot of our people who are getting desperate to buy that body and hold the back till they find the right culture fit. So, Todd, thank you so very much. This is awesome. I love hearing about your growth. You've just I've watched your progress over the years. Love to talk to you again about the diversifications you've created. So we'll, we'd love to have you back on again one day. Love to. I appreciate the opportunity, guys. All right, great. Thanks so much, Todd, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Todd. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. See you, buddy. So, you know, one of the things that really intrigues me about this episode is that there are so many people who aspire to reach that kind of level of revenue but can't do it. Mm -hmm. And you can see that he's got, you know, multiple spears that he's using to reach those goals. Yeah, there's no magic bullet here. Right. He had many different elements that – contributed to this this massive growth over a short period. You know, I wonder if he were to look back, if he would say that he didn't know really the, the combined synergistic effect of all these moves, you know? No, nah, I think he, he'd say I knew all along. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that, of course every, he would. Everything I was doing was with a purpose. <laughs> yes, thoughtful, <laughs> deliberate. Right. Because they're very wide-ranging, everything from, you know, developing his own software to the different compensation structure to the marketing person to becoming a direct supplier i mean it's just yeah all the it's 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 an aggregate right mm-hmm. i mean and also the support of his peers because you know that's right kudos to bob gallagher for forcing him to keep his marketing up when everything yes. was collapsing yes for and, sure and it was a great point you know i've heard it many times before and it's it's actually proven scientific yeah. fact that you know mm-hmm. you keep the mark the companies that keep the marketing up in a recession or a downturn come out way ahead than the other companies Mm -hmm. and you know but the the courage it takes to do that i mean what do you say four hundred fifty thousand dollar budget yeah and he was projecting to lose two hundred fifty thousand that year so yes i mean that takes some guts and it also takes some previous business smarts to have the money to be able to get through that to have the cash in the background you know well he's yeah he's a smart guy yeah very strategic many strategic moves there so awesome episode my favorite part, though, hmm. the best advice that I got out of this entire episode... I, I cannot wait to hear this. ...was, you know, because we always tell the owners they need to get out of the field and start oh, yeah. working on the business <laughs> instead of in the business. So, for those of you out there, start dressing nicer. Yes, really. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. I was wondering, hmm, how can I dress up more? Hmm, I don't think it's going to work in here. No, it's not going to work here. Good advice. Good advice. So, another good episode in the can. Yep. Thanks, Todd. We loved having you. And um, thank you for being a loyal listener to Power Tips Unscripted. I'm Mark Harari. 
And I'm Victoria Downing. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day.